0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. I am so excited to share the Word of God with you this morning. Today uh, marks the beginning of Passion Week. We call it Passion Week because the passion of the cross. This is the week that we celebrate what Jesus has done and uh, we're just so thankful. Are you thankful for what Jesus has done for you? Very good. Andrew and um, Phoebe, do we have the lights correct for what you guys need? Um, yeah, we're good? Okay, just, just check in. Um, so this week starts, and I'm, we're going to talk this week about um, the beginning all the way through Passion Week, and I'm really excited to do that with you. I'm going to open up with a verse that talks uh, in, in Matthew, where it says, in Matthew 21.9, it says, The crowds went ahead of him him being Jesus. And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's take a moment and let's pray today. Father, we thank you, God, for your word, and we thank you, God, for the truth of your word today. And Lord, this week... You are our hero, Lord God. We, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you've done. And we want, Father, all the truth of your word to God come into our hearts, transform us, lead us, and guide us. And right now we open up our heart to hear what is in your word. We thank you for the truth of it, the authority of your word. And we say, Lord, speak to us by your Holy Spirit. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what is in your heart to share today. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. This is, this is Palm Sunday. And the reason we call it Palm Sunday is because this is the Sunday that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem for the last time before the cross. He was riding on a young colt. Um, it was the week, if you will, of the Passover festival, which was where they would they would slaughter a lamb and they would have a meal together. Jesus would become the Passover lamb for our lives on the cross. And um, Jesus instructs his um his, uh, his disciples coming into that week, he says, "'Listen, there's a, I want you to go to this particular home, "'and there's a colt there, a young donkey, "'that I'm supposed to ride into town.'" And it marks a really significant change for Jesus because normally the way Jesus kind of rolled, if you will, is he would kind of come into places and there'd be a lot of hubbub and people would just start to kind of crowd around him and and he would do miracles and he would teach and all these wonderful things. And then Jesus kind of had a way of slipping away. And when the crowds got really, really big in one town, he'd kind of move on to the next town kind of thing. He was kind of ducking and weaving. The, The crowds would come and then he would keep on moving. This was different though. This time it's like, Jesus is is into, if you will, the theater of it, not because it's theater, but because it's real, and he orchestrates his own coming in to the into the town of Jerusalem, and he says, "Listen, I want a, a young donkey. I'm going to ride upon it." And when he comes into town, um, there's uh, a. Great deal of hubbub about it, if you will, right? They're, they're shouting these things about Jesus. They're waving palms. And, and the, the picture that I'm about to read to you is a picture of a king coming into his kingdom as he's riding on donkeys. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, kings were told uh, that, to not um, acquire a bunch of horses and chariots. And kings would actually ride on donkeys rather than on horses. And it was a sign of humility. Before God. So we're going to drop into Matthew 21, verses 6 through 11. Are you ready for the Bible? All right. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd. How big a crowd? A very large crowd, right? Spread their cloaks on the ground, on the road, and they cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted. Y'all, this is a big to-do, right? They shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Y'all, the people were really, really excited about Jesus coming in. And it's, it's kind of a weird picture to some degree because they're all excited, but you and all, I have probably read this story, right? And we're like, he's actually about to get tortured and put on a cross, right? So you see this like party atmosphere and this real uh, exuberance and excitement, and they're shouting words like Hosanna, and Hosanna means God saves. And they're, it's like they're shouting, God saves us, right? And they're so excited. They're talking about the son of David. They're pointing back to the Old Testament where, where David was a king and it was promised that someone from his line would be on the throne forever and in Jesus' natural earthly um, uh, uh, lineage. Thank you. Somebody gave me a word. I really appreciate that. I was thinking of a different word. I could, it wasn't coming out. Through his natural lineage, he was of the, David, of the line of David. And so they're excited because they're thinking like this natural king is going to come and deliver them from this Roman empire. And so they're excited. Like they want a king. And the, the irony is this. They're shouting, God saves, right? And here comes the king and the line of David. And he really was coming to save them. Just not how they expected. And he really is the king. Just not how they understand him. And he was going to become a king, not, not the kind of king to change their circumstances, because that's what they wanted. They wanted their circumstances to change. He was the king who was going to come to change their hearts. I love how it says in Ezekiel eleven nineteen. it says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of of flesh, and I, I really like this, and we're going to look at this picture of Passion Week. Um, I think a lot of times when we're, we're excited about what God is doing, what we're excited about is Him changing our circumstances, right? And the thing is, is God does change our circumstances. We prayed for healing today. He cares about, about our, our physical bodies. He cares about our circumstances. But the thing is, is He also wants to change our hearts and he wants to transform us. And I think sometimes maybe we're praying so much for him to change things around us that we forget to say, God, I want you to change me as well. You see, they, they were ready to receive a natural king, um, that what they think they were receiving, but really what we want to receive is we want to receive him as the king of our hearts and he's the king of kings, amen? So I want to take... A few moments with you this morning, and I want to look at this Passion Week, if you will, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and he's going to give himself up for us on the cross. Um, and I want to look at three moments in, in Passion Week. They're like, like vignettes, if you will, and, and show us how God wants us to receive something from each one of those pictures. The first picture we're going to talk about is his triumphal entry, which is receiving Jesus as king. The second picture I want to I talk about is the cross, where we're receiving forgiveness for our sins. And then the third picture I want to look at is the resurrection, where we receive the new life that Jesus has for us. Amen? You got the whole outline for the entire message right there. First, this triumphal entry, where we receive Jesus as our king. You know, we live in a society where we, like, we, like, we elect our representatives who go do the things that we need them to do. Jesus is very different, amen? Jesus is a king. He's not an elected king. Um, he's, not, he's not there representing our opinions and desires. He is the king. He is the sovereign. We're the ones who do his will, Amen. We, we exist to please the king and to honor the king, not the other way around. I love the way it says it in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. The way that we pray, the way that we, we approach our day to day lives, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Does it say, My kingdom come? Oh, your kingdom come, your will be done. I hear you, Abigail. She's amen. And um, if you're in the in person service, she does that a lot. She amens. It's great. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I find a lot of freedom in that. I find a lot of freedom in saying, God, I want your kingdom here on earth. Show me a picture of of who you are and show me a picture of who you are as a ruler and what your will is and what your desire is and help me to walk that out and live that out because I want to see your will on earth as it is in heaven, amen? So I just want to encourage you to know this idea of receiving him as king, receiving him as boss, receiving him as Lord. In our sinful nature, that can be really difficult because we're like, Yeah, but what if he tells me something to do? I just want to encourage you that what he says to do is worth it. In his will, in his way, in his desires, he's a good king. He's a loving king. He's been doing this for a really long time. He's been the master of the universe for a long time. He's really good at it. I like to say, God's really good at being God. And we want to allow him to be God over our lives. What's great is he's like the leader we can trust. We can trust his word. We can trust his intent. We can trust him as king. And I love using that word king because it like flies in the face of everything that we're used to as Western Americans, right? Because we, we have different structures as far as how things are made. But he is our king and a good king who will always be on the throne. The second picture from the week that I I want to point to today, from Passion Week, is the picture of the cross. And that's the place where we receive forgiveness for our sins. You know, I I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm so thankful for the things that God has forgiven me for. Am I talking to the right people? I'm thankful for the things he's still forgiving me for. Amen? Amen. One of, the, one of the, the kind of paradoxes, if you will, in, in our faith is that you know, our sin is really serious and God's forgiveness is really complete. Uh, you know, raising our kids and stuff like that, you know, you, you get in trouble and it's like, all right, you need, to, you need to feel bad for a few days. We need to make sure you get it in you kind of thing right kind of thing but you know what god's word says is that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west right like this this way that he interacts with us the way that he saves us and loves us is just so complete and so we we have this thing where when we look at the cross one of the things that we want to do is we want to be really honest about how serious our sin is And when we see the cross, it's not other people's sin that sent Jesus to the cross. It's my sin. And, you know, as a believer and as somebody who's given my life to Jesus and is following Jesus as as best as I know how, and when I sin, rather than diminishing it or saying, well, it's not a big deal, it's covered, I take it to him and go, I know this is serious, even today. Not serious in a way where you're putting me in a timeout for weeks or you're put layering a bunch of shame on me so that I really feel bad, but serious enough to where I'm willing to say to you, God, today, I'm sorry. Sorry for that attitude towards my spouse. I'm sorry for the way I, I spoke to that person. I'm sorry for what I said going down 64 when that person cut me off. I know you don't want me to use that word, Jesus. You know, like, like those kinds of... You know, like. Being serious about, you know what, it's still serious and it's still what sent them to the cross. And you see, we honor the cross when we deal with our sin before God in an upright way. The challenge for us is we tend to like tip one way or another, right? We either tip into such shame and regret and remorse that we just like we walk around like you know just like beating ourselves up for a week, punishing ourselves when He took the punishment, right? Or we discount and go, "Well, it's no big whoop, no, you know, not a big deal, you know, it's really not, it's covered, and it's that kind of thing." And I'm just so glad. And we diminish the price that He paid. And there's this place where we where we're honest with God. And we're confident of his love. You catch that this morning? We're honest with God about our, our sin. We're honest with him to take it, back, take it right to him. But we're also confident of his love and his desire to forgive us. Because he's already paid the price. Amen? And remember, he's not looking to put shame on you. He's looking to take it off. But I think it's really good for us, even this week, to be going, You know, Lord... Is there something in my heart that I am not really taking ownership of before you? And I want to say, hey, I know this doesn't please you. I know you love me, but I know this action, this attitude does not please you. And I just bring it to you and I say, God, give me the power to change. Give me the power to put this thing before you. Uh, one of my favorite verses about sin for um, believers is in First John. In First John one eight. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. What I love about this scripture is it's a letter written to Christians. Right? Y'all catching that? I I don't think the early the early church was this group who came in and went. I got it all together. Oh, how are you blessed, highly favored? Everything's going well. All my children are amazing. My wife is beautiful. The sky is blue, and all the children are above average. It's amazing. I am just so blessed. And how are you, brother? I just don't see it like that. I kind of see him coming in the church going, Whoo, I need some Jesus in my life. And what this scripture, what I love about the scripture is it's just so real. Here's, here's John, someone who walked with Jesus. Coming up and he's saying, if you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But I love the words that he used. Then it pivots. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And then he doubles down again in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his words are not in us. I love this scripture because what this scripture says to me is, Mike, be quick to repent. Mike, be quick to run to Jesus and confess your sins. Don't hide it. Don't dismiss it. Don't water it down. Just be quick to go to Jesus and say, I messed up. I need your forgiveness, and I thank you that you don't only forgive me, but you purify me. You cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I love that I get to live in that place where God knows I'm not going to be perfect. He just knows that also that I'm trying to pursue him. And I want to tell you today, maybe, maybe you've never had that time in your life where you made that personal commitment like, all right, Jesus, I am all in. I am yours. I want you to be my king and I am going to serve you. My life is in your hands. Maybe you've had a false impression that Christians are supposed to walk around being perfect. No, we're all works in progress. The thing though is, is that when we give our lives to Jesus, he takes the weight of that sin, that shame, and that guilt. He lifts it off of us. And he, it, the Bible says he removes our sin as far as far as, as the east is from the west. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And then we walk a life, and he actually he puts his Holy Spirit in us, and we're born again, and we, we have this brand new life in him. And, and you're not going to be perfect, but I will tell you, you'll actually have the ability to walk in life and to serve him, where before we don't. We just have to turn our lives over to him. If you've never, if you've never taken that step, maybe, maybe in your life you believe that God is real, but you haven't put your life into his hands, I just want to encourage you to make today your day. April the 10th, 2022, the day you said, you know what, my life is in Jesus' hands. Today's the day we celebrate him coming in on Passion Week, him coming in to be the king, and today I say he is my king. If that's a decision that you want to make today, um, I want to talk to you and pray with you. Really, you cry out to Jesus and say, save me, uh, forgive me of my sin, I put my life into your hands, and he's going to transform your life. But I want to rejoice with you and pray with you as well. If you're online or listening to this after, um, during the week, you can go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps, and there we'll um, reach out to you because we, we want to rejoice with you. It says that the angels basically have a party every time somebody says yes to Jesus. Now, I want to go to the third picture. We've talked about two pictures. One picture being Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and it's the picture of him as a king. And we want to receive Jesus as king. Amen? The second picture is Jesus on the cross, and we want to receive him as our Savior, the one who forgives our sins. The third moment that I want to point point you to is the resurrection. And that's where we receive the new life that Jesus has for us. The thing is, Jesus just didn't just die for our sins, but he overcame by going to the by by coming alive again by the power of the Spirit. And he gives us new life. By the power of the Spirit. What's great is we don't have to figure it out on our, se- our, on our own. We don't have to like walk in our own power and try to figure it out. No, he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live for him. Uh, Colossians says it this way. It's like that we were buried with him in baptism and we were also raised with him. And we have this new life empowered by the Spirit. Some of us, have been doing it wrong and trying to do it in our own strength. And while it's admirable, you can't do it in your own strength. But He's there to empower you and He's there to help you to walk with Him. I want to I close with um, a scripture in Colossians 2, 9 through 15 where it really touches on all three moments during the week. It, it touches on the fact that Jesus is King, that we receive forgiveness for our sins, and that we receive new life. And it goes like this Colossians 2 9. For in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. When Jesus was coming into Jerusalem they saw a king of their own making and their own mind but indeed he is the king who is the head over everything and who has all power and authority it says the father has put everything under the son verse 11 says in him you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands you your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised in Christ. And verse 12 says, You were buried with him in baptism, pointing towards what Jesus did on the cross, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And then verse 13 When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcised flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all our sins. You know what that word all means? All. Isn't that amazing? Not 90%, not 95%, not almost everything except for that one that really made him mad. He forgave all our sins having tra- cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. All ha- and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made them a pu- public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross scripture is so rich with meaning but in this last part it's talking about how Jesus and what he did by going to the cross and by raising from the dead that he, is, he has triumphed over he has conquered all the spirits and principalities they do not have authority over our lives that Jesus is the winner he has won and we can have confidence in him it's really amazing to get to join a team that is destined to win And that has already won. To get to walk with the Lord who's done all of this. What an amazing time in history we get to walk in. Where Jesus has done all the heavy lifting. And what do we do? We receive him as king. We receive the forgiveness of sins. We receive the new life that he has for us. What we can do to honor him is to receive all the things that he's already done in our lives. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you today. And maybe it's a lot to take in all at once, receiving him as king and receiving forgiveness of sins and receiving the new life. But maybe as I pray today, maybe there's a there's a particular area this week where you're like, I just need to make him king again. I just I need to I need to look to him to be the one leading and directing rather than me telling him what I want. Maybe today you're in a place where you go, you know, when we talk about sins, there's just so much shame and there's so much guilt that's coming up and I just need to off, I need to take this all and just put it before him. And I want, I want to tell you today, he's already provided for your forgiveness. He's not looking to put you in the penalty box and it honors him When you call sin, sin, and say, God, here it is, forgive me. And he gives you power to overcome. Maybe today it's just the walking and the strength and the power that he's given you, receiving the new life that he has for you, and you need that. I just want to encourage you today as we pray to just say, Lord, here is what I want to receive from you today because you've done so much. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus today we proclaim you as our our hero Lord the picture of you coming into Jerusalem the picture of you the king coming into his kingdom Lord today would you say would you be the king of our hearts the sovereign of our hearts the authority over our hearts we love you today you are the worthy king, the holy king, the good king, the king of kings. And we say today, we receive you as king. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you endured that week. The torture you went through, the giving up of your last breath. Lord, thank you for your obedience, even to death on a cross. And today... We just say, Lord, our sin, we bring it to you quickly. Our attitudes, our actions that are not pleasing to you. Father, we don't dismiss them, diminish them, but God, we bring them to you. And we say, Lord, forgive us. Thank you for your readiness to forgive us. And thank you, Lord, for the shame that you remove, not just the penalty. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the king who rose from the grave. Life, new life in you, having conquered all the principalities and powers, we give you glory and honor today. And we say, Lord, may that same life, the life of your spirit, strengthen and empower us, Father, for the days ahead. We love you and we worship you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.